It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. It's me, Jonathan. I'm so glad you're tuning in to Counterculture. Uh, you know, this episode is brought to you by Tesla Motors, makers of the all-new Model S. Actually, no, I'm not ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, they're not bad. I'm in this show. <laughs> but I do take donations, and I do take them in kind. So if anything comes to mind, anyone in Tesla, that you know, just let me just let me know. No, I kid because I care. Um, we are so excited to have calling in from the great up north. She would have flown down here if I had given her plane tickets. Wendy Park. Wendy, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I wish I could be down there in the south. <laughs> I know. I think there's probably about a 170-degree difference between where we are and where you are. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's been really cold up here. So, Wendy, Wendy Park is the co-founder and executive director of Forever Families of Canada, as well as an area director for Care Portal across the entire port of Canada. She is has a master's in global studies with a peace mediation internship in the Middle East. And I'm really interested. I want to hear more about that. She was the executive director of Salvation Army before she left to pursue a crazy, crazy vision God gave her to see the Canadian church rise up for the vulnerable. She is passionate about inspiring Canadian church communities to know their biblical roots and build uh, and builds healthy relations with government, community, and church leaders for the well-being of vulnerable children and families. She's married to Harold and is a mama bear to five children. I, I assume a polar bear. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, a yes. A <laughs> polar bear to five children, both her a biological and adoption. As t- okay, two grandchildren, two cats, and one dog. And so I don't really care about the cats, um, but what is your dog's <laughs> name? Our dog's name is Cream. Cream? Yeah. Okay. He's After the color good for of the nothing, band, but he's cute. Okay, but he's, he's cute. A therapy dog. Therapy dog. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you. So, given that you're uh, what is the temperature right now? Um, well, it's minus twenty two today, so it's actually not too bad. And I, I had to Google it, but it's uh, in Fahrenheit. That would be minus seven point six. Minus seven point six. Okay. Yeah. And do you currently have all ten fingers and toes? You know, I almost lost them over the weekend. It was down to minus 50, it felt like, <laughs> and uh, it was, with wind chill, it was minus 50 Fahrenheit, and uh, oh I wasn't sure at some point. You can't actually feel the up too long, so we basically stay inside, but yes, and, uh, I do have all And so this is, you just told me that you throw the co- your coffee cup in the air, hot coffee, and it won't yeah. hit the ground, it'll freeze. Yeah, so I'm not a scientist, but this thing it fascinates me. If you have a piping hot. You could have a boiling kettle of water, too, if you wanted. But a hot cup of coffee, you throw it in the air in this weather, and it actually doesn't land on the ground. It, it just freezes in the air and goes turns to mist. Uh, I, that's cup, so, so unimaginable. I just, it's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's incredible. I would just, whenever coffee mm-hmm. spills, I cry because something very precious mm-hmm. has been lost. So I know. But that's just so, like, that's also, like, just unbelievable. That's amazing. Okay. 
Yeah. So I would we I can't wait to hear about you learn more about you. I mean, just so for for my listeners, uh, Wendy and I work together with Care Portal. I actually there's I'm getting to know her as well too. So this is really really cool. So um, we've we've had been at different meetings over the over the last couple of years, but we like to start to introduce our listeners to our guests. We like to start with a game called Fake News. And so mm. it's sort of like two truths and a lie, but it's basically you say something that's true about yourself and something that's not true in any order, and I try to guess which one's fake. Okay? Do you think you've got okay. two stories okay. and see if I can – you can stump the master? I will give it a good try here. Um, so two tr- – uh, one truth and, a, and one lie, right? Correct. Um, so, and- okay, so here's, here's one thing to think about. I went camping this winter in Canada. Okay. Uh, the second one is, you know, I love my coffee. That's not a truth or a lie. Okay. Um, but I take maple syrup in my coffee. Maple syrup in your coffee. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you tried it? Now, I see. I, I love maple flavoring, and like I put it on ice cream. I love maple. Mm-hmm. And I I wait. I get the good stuff from Canada or Vermont. Mm-hmm. I, I I I don't discriminate. And but not the fake stuff. So I'm going to say yeah. maple is true, and and fake news is camping. Actually, no, I did go camping in winter. Oh, here. and I don't take maple syrup in my coffee. I thought it was weird. I wanted to stump you. I know I you know. got me. You did stump me. Well played. Well yeah, played. Yeah, my daughter's a polar bear, and she. Uh, got me to go camping with her this winter. It was cold. <laughs> oh, my God. But we, we camped out at her camp, uh, at her school parking lot. Okay. Uh, just outside of the school. And uh, her dream was to roll out of bed um, in the morning and go to school. So we did that. <laughs> All right. Because why not? Why not? I, there's got to be an easier way to do that. I just don't know. I just think, I think you could feel, make your dreams come true in a much warmer fashion. <laughs> Apparently not for her. She's a polar bear. And, so, <laughs> and, and so I'm also going to call fake news on the two grandchildren. I, I just, I'm just don't think I believe that. Is that true? No, I do. I do. Yeah, I kind of cheated because uh, we have two biological children. Um, they're our youngest, and then we adopted teenagers. So um, teenagers become adults, and, yes. and she got married and had children. And so, uh, wow. yeah, I have a uh, one-year-old and a five-year-old grand. That is fantastic. So. Oh. Yeah, that must be because yeah. you're yeah. not. I mean, you're on the younger. I, I don't want to guess, but you Thank see, you, you yeah. seem no, younger than I would have yeah. ever thought that grandchildren <laughs> would be, been in the picture. Yeah, I kind of cheated, but uh, it's it's fun. So oh. I, I didn't ever do the adoption of a baby or fostering of babies. I, I just get them as grandchildren. And it's nice send them <laughs> home and you spoil them when they're here. What is the biggest misconception that Americans have of Canada? What do you think we get mm. wrong? And it's okay. I'm I, I I'm I'm not sensitive. I I don't. Okay. So well, I can handle that's it. great because I'm a Enneagram eight, so I say it directly. Anyway, okay, do so. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we do say sorry a lot. That's not a misconception. We'll we'll say sorry when even we're not. But um, I would say one of the things that I notice, even just in ministry wise and working across Canada, that um, sometimes in in the U.S considered kind of like the 53rd state, or actually, I think it's 50 state, 51st state or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yet the culture underlying it is very different. Right. Um, there are a lot of uh, similarities that we have with the U.S., but in when I'm working with the church, when I'm working with government, in just the social context, 
Um, there's just a lot of different nuances that maybe on the outside look the same. Yes. Um, but it's we have to navigate a lot of things differently. So when I'm working with U.S. and I, I'm, there's a lot of great research and, and resources from the U.S. that we work with, um, there's a lot of translation that I have to do. So, so that often uh, surprises people, even here in Canada. Um, sure. But my interest is in global studies is cultural anthropology. So we, yeah. we dig deep and that iceberg is just different on the bottom. So, um, yeah. Uh the if 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 your lis- listeners if you're just uh, haven't heard that term before the, the iceberg there's a a, th- a, mm. a diagram called the cultural iceberg and I highly recommend you look at that and it's it's really fascinating for assumptions about other cultures we look at things on the surface there's just a small tip but there's a whole bunch of underlying assumptions and ways of looking at the world even worldview uh, in mm-hmm. in every culture and it's not all bad it's just different um, and we often have underlying we're, we're not aware of. But uh, search uh, cultural iceberg and look that up. It's very fascinating. I'm glad you mentioned that. I also did some mm. study in cultural anthropology. So, so why yeah. did you? I but, mean, but Canadians do love American uh, politics and everything. I think oh. they're more uh, front front line uh, seat watchers of that than their own. So, I bet. <laughs> so we do have a lot of it's, connections. It's a that. yeah. It's a show down here. We just like to entertain the world the with our craziness. Show, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, you know, watching eating popcorn, gather around the, those Yankees down to the <laughs> south. They're doing crazy again. <laughs> so, um, what do you? Okay, so now you're the executive director of Forever Families of Canada. Tell me about mm-hmm. that. What is Forever Families? Yeah, um, it's something that my husband and I started. Um, it's kind of based out of a problem because him and I were first uh, working in, in full-time ministries and we were loving it. We weren't looking for new jobs. But as we started engaging with child welfare personally, we realized so many gaps were there. And um, and there was a lot of good services and government uh, programs that were trying their best, but it was also in isolation. So. The reason why we started Forever Families wasn't because I actually had a dream of, like, I want to start my own organization, because it's a lot of work, right? Sure, sure. But um, but we really had a passion to see the church more engaged in child welfare and just to see that isolation broken, because um, there's not enough resources to throw at um, child welfare issues. It's a relational poverty issue, so if we can be part of building those bridges and helping the church go into its rightful place, then that's... That really was our passion. Um, yeah. So you see the church is a really important part of this. Why is that? Yeah, well, I think, well, essentially, there's a, there's a few practical reasons. Um, on a fundamental strategic, like, it's the greatest distribution cent, uh, way method ever, because, like, across Canada, we've got 24,000 churches. Wow. Now, I've, I've taken a tally of Starbucks and Tim Hortons coffee shops. If I want a coffee, I can go anywhere across Canada, and I can generally find a coffee shop in my area. There's only less than 9,000 or 6,000 of those. Right. We've got multiple times more right. churches in every neighborhood. So if the church could really be um, understand its roots and who we are as a church, that we are there for the marginalized, we are there to care for, we are the hands and feet of Christ, um, this is who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine what could happen in child welfare. Like every family, every birth mom, every child would have a place to go to and find safety with those churches. And so it just makes sense. So from a logical perspective, yes. it's an untapped thing. 
in Canada, we have a very secularized um, government and, and society, I would say post-Christendom, uh, probably more so than the, the U.S., right, right. closer towards um, Europe. And um, it, it, there's been a huge divide um, over the years. Um, not historically, the Church has actually had done a lot of wrong, mm-hmm, uh, particularly mm-hmm. with our Indigenous people. Right. And... Um, and just breaking up families and residential schools and and in the foster care system today. And so um, there's a lot of wounds and reconciliation that needs to happen. And so, mm. yeah, it, it just makes sense to bring the Church back to its roots. And, and part of that bringing back to the, the roots is bringing reconciliation and helping the Church be like, yeah, that the past isn't okay, but we can't also walk away from our calling. You know, and there's actually redemptive ways that we can engage in conversations. We can have relationships with the First Nations people across our country. We can build relations with the government. Um, because one of the misconceptions that we have here often, uh, and why Forever Families was started, is that the natural perception within the Church, if you ask things about child welfare nature, they say, well, the government should do a better job. Right. Um, not recognizing it as a, as a Church calling, you know, and so... Um, yeah, we're pretty passionate about the church. I, I thought going into this that my heart would continue to grow to sizes larger for children and families. It has, but it probably has um, done even more so for the church because I realize there's such potential um, that we're not living up to. And um, yeah, that gives me hope. That's really inspiring. I think there's just that, um, I think that mindset of it's their job is so mm-hmm. really the opposite of what we should be believing as Christians um, mm-hmm. because we it's like why is it there why isn't it our job and and why um, and then if if yeah. if there is a mandate by government we also still have our mandate and if we have this and actually there's a lot of overlap for what the government's trying to do they want healthy sure. stable families and churches yeah. want pretty much the same thing. <laughs> And uh, exactly. there might, um, so there's a common denominator that I find in conversations with governments. Like, hey, we're 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 serving. We want to serve the same children as you do, and make this your job exactly. easier. Even res- yeah. from resources to capacity, and yeah, it's mm. a yeah, yeah. And we've had some just really good experiences. Like even before we started Care Portal, and we're pretty passionate about bringing it across Canada because it's just an ideal tool in how we can do it um, effectively. Um, but even before that, we were doing Care Portal um, just by through relationships and connecting churches into to meaningful conversations or meaningful situations with children and families through the agencies. And that just develops, develops trust, right? And that yes. we're not pitting against each other. We can actually adult here and work for the child. Right. And uh, it's okay, you know. And, and there, to be fair, the church had a problem, too, even if there was desire to get involved. With all the privacy acts and all the um, confidentiality that you don't know that your next door neighbor is living on the floor. You don't know that there's a group home down the street. You don't know that there's a youth that's aging out. You just don't. And so that is a problem that can only be solved if you have sort of a trust broker in between. So that's sort of where we found God continuously putting us into those places of building trust, translating, because Christians yes. talk weird sometimes. Yes, and, and I know. talking from Christian needs to social services, it's a different world, and the acronyms, the alphabets yeah, that we go through That's there. right. And fortunately, my husband and I had been in both worlds, um, that we could do that translation and build those, those that trust and bring other people with us to do that. 
And we realized, wow, we could do so much more together. Yes. And churches do want to care. We also realize there's a lot of need to do some education um, in understanding poverty and understanding the cultural differences, particularly with First Nations and and the white evangelical church. There's a huge divide there that we needed to um, address. There's lots of elephants in the sanctuary that we're right. working through, but it's possible. People... People desire to care. They're, nobody wants to be a jerk or insensitive to their neighbor. Sure. We just don't know. And, um, yeah, so we're, we're pretty excited about just building those those connections. And that's, um, that's such an important... Kind of redeeming my awkwardness. I, I've always been awkward. So You're awkward, I yes. Into rooms and be, I can go and do awkward with churches and, and with government and, and other <laughs> community okay. partners and say, okay, let's throw you in a room and see what happens. Let's, let's be here for the child and... Wait. It's a lot of fun. That's those are my highlights. We should have an awkward off competition. See who's more awkward. That would be that would be just well, absolutely amazing. That would the game on. Yeah, I would uh-huh. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. Well, if you're just tuning in, we have Wendy Park here on on the phone calling in from uh, lovely sunny frozen Canada. We're hearing about <laughs> her, her work with. Um, Forever Families of Canada, and just like super exciting. Um, so this isn't just so we we all understand as Christians that this is our part of our calling and our cause. This should be what we're about is caring for children, um, and we want our churches to engage. But how is this person? I mean, this isn't just, this is personal to you. This is you've lived it in your home, and is there mm-hmm. something in your background that really got really got you fired up about this? Yeah, I, I think it's grown over time. As I look back, I've seen these touch points of, like, God's fingerprint has been on this along the way. I just didn't know it. Um, I, w- I wasn't the type that grew up and say, I'm going to, like, foster and adopt. I'm going to, like, get into child welfare. That wasn't really on my radar. And yet um, I spent a year, um, most of my undergrad was overseas, and, and so I spent mm. it in, in um, group homes and children's homes. I was working with uh, vulnerable youth on the street in, in a church planting thing that I was living in for two years. And, um, and so it, people became part of my life. They grew on to me. And even after we were married, we just had people living with us, and it just opened our eyes. And I was working in with Salvation Army previous to um, my executive director position in human trafficking and anti-human trafficking, and working with with so many um, women and transgender that had come through the foster system, um, just mm-hmm. disproportionate. My husband was a, a chaplain in the prisons, and same thing, like disproportionate. Everybody, most people had stories of some kind of family breakdown and, and being in the in the system, and right. this breaks your heart. And then I was I was doing the family program, or the the family center, and just seeing the vulnerability of children and families. It just once you see it, you can't unsee it. They become right. human. They yes. don't become statistics anymore. And It's not just an then, issue. It's a human, hum, right. Exactly. And then people started living with us, birth parents that lost their kids and had no place to go. They were just evicted. And they, they, they were our professors. We weren't the philanthropists. They were actually teaching us the heart of God. And, and I don't mm. know if we didn't interact with the people that we did, um, the, the street-involved women and the people in the prisons, if they didn't become something to us. I don't know if we would have learned it. And and then we became personally involved with um, getting into an adoption journey. And long and short of it, actually, we were, mm. we had finished our family with one boy, one girl, and we had, we were in 
full-time positions in ministry. We were done our family. We went, actually, my husband's from Korea, so we went over to Korea to visit his family. And mm-hmm. say, here's our family, they, just to show off to the, the relatives and celebrate a birthday there. And that is where we, and not a, a chance on our radar that we wanted to add to our family. We were right. done. And um, both my husband and I, one night, had the same dream that we were to add to our family through adoption. <laughs> we were wow. like, what do we do with this? And that actually put us on the trajectory to start Forever Families, because mm. then we started exploring child welfare in Canada, and we realized it's a hidden issue, but it's not going anywhere. It's actually getting worse, and where is the church in all of this? And so it's become very personal just for our own family, sure. the journeys of our kids, um, people that have come and gone from our life. But um, yeah. I, many people wonder, like, what, is, what does God want me to do with my life? And I, I would say a good starting point would say open your life to someone in, yeah. in poverty or brokenness <laughs> and yeah. see where that takes you. Uh, become friends. Like you, you had them staying in your home, uh, have, have mm-hmm. regular meals with someone, not just a one-off, but really yeah. regularly get to know. Like you said, they taught you. I thought that yeah. was a fantastic. I've learned more from people on the streets and in the poor than I have in PhDs. And, you know, I just... Yeah. So that's really, really yeah, profound. Yeah, no, it, it's so true. And it, it, like Scripture says, too, whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. And I, I think sometimes we... We think we have to go out and save kids. We have to save a broken system. Systems aren't broken. Relationships are. Yeah. And it's actually, they're the anointed ones when we make ourselves vulnerable. It's not comfortable. But when we do that, um, there's just a supernatural presence of God in that. Like, if we didn't welcome these people in the name of Jesus, we miss out so much. Mm. Um it's mutual transformation. It's not um, that one person is off the street or one person has a family. Like we are being transformed uh, to the likeness of Christ in that. So that's what I always say to churches here in Canada. We often think of like, what can we do? What can we do? I'm like, there's missing pieces in your pews here. You need children and families in your congregation for you to understand compassion, for you to understand mm-hmm. empathy, for you to understand the heart of God, um, you need them. They're the anointed ones. Yeah. And uh, it's it's actually just a smart thing to do um, both ways. We're not, yeah. we're not trying to use people, but you know what I mean? Like, th- these are the anointed ones. They're the, they're the ones that actually have something to teach us, um, and God brings them into our midst. And it's just a privilege. It really is, and it's, that's so key. We want to we want to know God's will, and we want to find Jesus. But it's not just going to be on Sunday mornings. So it's going to be mm-hmm. it's gonna, in, in, a, in a in a comfortable, uh, engaging, you know, seemingly powerful service on Sunday mornings or whatever. Right. It's going to happen when when you, we break down that that wall that divides us from the the, the where Christ Himself says He's located. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's, you know, he's not, yeah. it's, he's not hiding. He's saying, here I am, mm. <laughs> come, if you open up your, yeah. I am there. Um, so really powerful. So uh, just as we're wrapping up our, I just wanted to say what, what needs to change uh, if in the trajectory, for the trajectory of children with this, the current system and where the church is at, what's going to really need to change? Well, I think uh, more relationships between um, churches and government and, and, um, community um, groups like First Nations and stuff, we need to build those 
those relationships, um, kind of breaking that isolation that has been there. It's harming children and families and COVID especially. It, yes. it pushes more things uh, to the margins and, and that's not helpful. And, and one of the things that we're doing with that is care portal is so pivotal in how we're being able to move into new communities and mm. we're slowly but surely growing into more cities. There's more demand than we can keep up with right now, but it's because now the church and now governments and organizations are seeing the need for an online platform to mm. simply communicate and 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 facilitate some of those relationships and those connections and, and people are getting excited about it. So I'm quite hopeful uh, about the future, but I but I also realize our work is not done. Um, we have so much more to do, but that's what gets me up in the morning. I'm I'm excited. So that is super exciting. It was, it's the same thing that gets me up. And so how do how do people learn more? Just is it Forever Families of Canada? They do a search for that, or if you you can do that, or foreverfamilies.ca. That'll dot get C- you to our foreverfamilies.ca. <laughs> Wow, Wendy, this has been a great conversation. You've, uh, I like to us, our listeners to hear this. It's not all about us. It's not all about the U.S. <laughs> God is doing great mm. things around the world. His heart for children is the same across uh, everywhere, and we're thankful that you got to sh- you got to got to hear your heart and your encouraging words. Thank you so much, Wendy, for mm. calling in. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, it's been great to be with you. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.